a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by Punch-Up Entertainment. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the security officer to my guarded Wookiee, John Campbell. <laughs> That's the first one I've gotten right off the bat of your references there. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to May the Panel Be With You. We are deep in it now, John, right in the middle of the first arc, let's say, of the 1977 Marvel Star Wars comic, issue number three we are on. Oh, yeah. Right smack in the middle of A New Hope. Yes, uh, indeed. We're halfway, we're halfway through the movie, and I will say, just overall, my reaction to this issue is what I was saying last week, which is... Six issues is a lot to devote to this two-hour movie because I'm feeling it drag now. This, is, but by the time we're still on the Death Star at the end of this issue, I'm like, oh my god, okay, wow, yeah. <laughs> I will say this much: uh, after last episode, I did a little looking around just to see how many other times a New Hope has been adapted in comic book form, and it's, it's a few. Yeah, none of them are quite this long. i mean a new hope is a great movie but it one of the things that makes it so great and and kind of uh the way it was almost like a proof of concept in some ways is it's very focused and streamlined it's pretty quick you know uh it's actually compare it to the rest of star wars a pretty small story even though it begins the whole thing yeah, and I mean, that's part of why it was so successful. It's got these, like, core hero's journey tropes that mm-hmm. are succinct and maybe not, like, as expanded upon as sci-fi nerds would eventually like. And obviously there are some pitfalls where that's concerned when you have Obi-Wan calling Darth Vader Darth as though that's his first name and other things that would become complicated snarls in the canon going forward. I will say the Darth thing now reads as like him just being shitty. Like, that's right, Darth. <laughs> well, especially after the Obi-Wan show, there's like kind of an, a reason for it now, which I didn't know we needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the Obi-Wan show did a lot to try to go like, let's kind of try to make this work. And it right. mostly did, um, surprisingly. But yes, we've got issue number three here. Again, mostly the same creative team. We've got Roy Thomas writing or adapting some kind of shooting script, as we just, we've discussed previously. We've got Howard yeah. Chaikin on pencils. We've got uh, Steve Lealoa on inks and colors and Tom Orzakowski on lettering. Do you like the way that th- they run out of space for the creative team on that first page? <laughs> well, but just briefly, as you were looking at that, it's like, Roy Thomas, Howard Jagan, and Steve Leilola, and then Colin and there's some guy named Orange who's doing a letter. <laughs> well, we'll show that off here in a minute, and if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll be able to see just how much they run out of space. But let's start with the cover here, uh, because oh, what, a, what cover. a cover. What a cover. I don't know where this location is. Uh, they're telling me it's the Death Star because it's proclaiming battle on the Death Star. Yes, indeed. Uh, what is this background of weird like computers? Uh, it looks like uh, it looks like they stumbled onto the set of two thousand one A Space Odyssey more than Star Wars here. It honestly looks like the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. 
it does look more like the especially the way it's drawn in the comic mm-hmm. uh, which is weird for something proclaiming battle on the death star and also mm-hmm. i mean just just murder left and right here right well look everyone's shooting everybody and we've got Han, Leia, Luke, and Chewie busting out. I think this is supposed to be the detention level scene where they're busting Leia out, but obviously everyone's got a handgun. Luke's got his lightsaber out. None of this actually happens in the comic. Doing nothing with it. He's basically just going, hey man, I got a lightsaber and I'll use it. Everyone's lasers are pink, including the laser coming out of the lightsaber Luke is holding, which... Uh, (laughs) The the both both the color and the shape of the lightsaber blade are so inconsistent through this comic at this point. And again, as we've said, we don't think anyone drawing this thing had any idea what some of this stuff actually looked like beyond like black and white set photos, maybe. And concept art. How small the hilt on Luke's lightsaber is here. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like he's holding, I don't know, like the broken off handlebar of a bicycle or something. Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> it's not at all impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just this is a this this is a little chaotic to me. Uh, I mean, it's designed to be chaotic, but it's a little too chaotic, I should say, because the way this stormtrooper in the foreground is falling, it took me a while to realize, like, oh, that's a second stormtrooper in front of him that's shooting us in the air, and then that's his arm going that way. Yeah, because right. at first that helmet in the front kind of looks like the first stormtrooper's knee as he's falling backwards. Well, because so it, it looks like he's holding a second blaster with his foot. <laughs> it does because the 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 it, it the it's the wrong shape that stormtrooper yeah. helmet. It's mm-hmm. very like conal, or it like R two D two. Yes, it looked. I was gonna say it looks like a trash can, or yes, in Star Wars parlance, R two D two. It does have that shape, and so it took me a while. I stared at this last night, prepping for the show, going, "What's happening?" Oh, okay. And he and the the stormtrooper in front also looks a little bit more silvery. Yeah, again, these are like digital prints that we're reading on yeah, Marvel Limited. Really- Not a sponsor, but I'd like them to be. But yeah, <laughs> we'll take some of that Marvel cash. Uh, and so I don't know how warped the colors are at this point with the scanning processes, because I've seen that before on old scans where the colors get messed up somehow in the digital transfer. Mm-hmm. And then I just love how much Chewie is the center of this image. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> well, Chewie's at the center of a lot of this issue because l- let's get yeah. into the first page here. Yeah, we yeah. get that janky Star Wars logo again at the top of this page. Oh this needs to go and now. <laughs> it's it's borderline insulting to the franchise. Um, Star Wars! <laughs> With the stars and the A's. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, but yes, we get right up here. We get Roy Thomas, Howard Chaikin, Steve Lealoa. Uh, Steve Lealoa gets two gets credits on here twice because he gets the illustrator, which is the inker, and he also gets the color uh, credit there, yeah. but just as yeah. Leia. Leia? I'm not exactly sure how to say his last name. So, Leia, I mean, we're, we want to say that as Leia because we're reading a Star Wars comic anyway. Right. But also, and... <laughs> I don't know why. Wouldn't it have been easier to put Howard Chaikin pencil, Steve Lealoa uh, colors and inks, and then... Wouldn't that have saved the space that they need? Because I also love... They wouldn't have to just totally cut Tom Orzakowski's name. (laughs) 
Paul to work on the book. He's over here. But I love that his illustrator credit is actually pushing the color credit that he has there, too. (laughs) It's so ramshackle compared to the way comics are made today digitally and stuff, right? That you're just, this does look like somebody wrote this in and went, "Ah, I'm out of room here. Ah, Okay. Well, and you again, we've got to remember this is pre-digital, so there's no like precise spacing. There is a copy editor somewhere arranging those names on the page with like a razor blade and tape. It's Roy Thomas. Yeah. Scripter <laughs> and editor here. Oh, so, he's uh, the editor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we can hold him personally responsible for every decision we don't like. Uh no. speaking <laughs> of uh, personal responsibility uh we yeah. leap in here to the death star exclamation point in the most what? metal font ever what is this lisa frank 1990 <laughs> crapper keeper coloring and font here death star yeah this is a uh, gem and the holograms font i believe <laughs> this death star is truly 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 outrageous truly uh, outrageous <laughs> god and also th- uh, Immediately, the coloring in this issue is the coloring across the board in this book has been wild, but I really started to nose it here. And I want to talk specifically about this planet of Alderaan. What is going on? We used every color we had on it. Well, look, sometimes planets are yellow and sometimes they're the color of vomit. Those are the two planet colors we have, John. Well, later they did, because I, lo- I love them in the writing. They love to tell us what color the planets are, but they call it the blue planet of Alderaan, which in the movie, I, if I recall, it was primarily blue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and here, here it's green and purple and other shades of green and some more green and a little yeah. bit of blue. Not only is it multicolored, they're all super gross. <laughs> like It's all just like, ugh. It's the worst shades of green and stuff. And then mm-hmm. talking about green, do we all remember these very green Imperial uniforms from the movie? So yeah, that is a big thing. In this first few pages here, we are on that scene where Tarkin is trying to get Leia to give up the location of the hidden fortress. Cough, cough. And... <laughs> We have all of our Imperial officers are now dressed in greens and yellows and reds. They look like British officers from World War II. They do, yeah. Because if we go to the next page here, um, you really get a look at Tarkin's uniform. By the way, I do think their Peter Cushing likeness is get is still getting the best of anybody's likenesses in this comic. Uh, well, I think, again, we have the most photo references for Peter Cushing at this point. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you get into this main close-up of him on the third panel here on page two. Uh, great. Like, that's a great... I, I want a Van Helsing comic drawn by Chaykin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what is this outfit? And he wasn't wearing this in the previous issues. I think he was wearing something like this, but it was more the mottled gray and blacks that we're used to with Imperial officers. I mean, this. Do- I mean, honestly, I think the Empire would have done better at these outfits. These make him look a little friendlier. Well, yeah, until the bottom half of this page, because well, again, yeah. we have the the classic exchange, and it's almost word for word what we have in the yeah. movie, where yeah. you will give us a target, a military target, name the system, and. Yeah. Then we have her admitting to Dantooine, a planet which we'll come back to in down the road. I assure you, we will get back to Dantooine. I I expect we'll get back to everything, especially if we're covering. (laughs) We'll get everywhere in Star Wars, man. Um, Uh uh 
and but, uh, and it's all it's all yeah. This is all great stuff. Once again, the the dialogue is great. I can, I can you know, it's recalling the movie, so I'm hearing this cushing. You are far too trusting, you know. Uh, but we have this mirror of an iconic cushing line of "You're far too trusting," and then we have the complete deletion. I wouldn't even say deletion. They don't know how iconic that Death Star firing sequence is going to become. So we don't get a shot from the exterior of the Death Star shooting a laser. We don't get any laser at all other than in the captions. All we get is on screen Alderaan blowing up. And Alderaan blows up bigger here than it does in the movie, actually. Look at that planet, man. That is gone. Yeah. It's just interesting how this comic isn't obviously can't see the future so it isn't aware of what in this movie is going to become the iconography that will go down in history and that green laser meeting at a singular point and then firing down out of the death star is so iconic and it's so like to the point where they recreated it perfectly in rogue one because it's so like Everyone knows the scene of the guy in the helmet pushing the lever slowly down and the two guys on the edge of the thing when the laser goes shooting past. I mean, I think that's the other thing, too, is it's not it's not even just the laser. It is we have such knowledge of how the Death Star functions and you go to that guy and he pushes the thing and they pull the lever. And yeah, it goes past the guys. I mean, those watching us on YouTube, there's a there's a Lego recreation of it behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's several Star Wars Lego recreations behind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was think I was actually going like maybe I should put some of my Star Wars stuff behind me for the show. <laughs> I did get my uh I did pull out my Han Solo hat for the show now, which I did did this is a, a Disney Parks official hat that I actually got at Galaxy's Edge. So because yep, I'm sure the mouse appreciates your dollars, John. much stuff in this apartment is from the mouse (laughs) oh i mean look uh, you can see the shelf of marvel crap behind me so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) you can see some of my marvel toys over there but um yeah there's marvel and star wars stuff all over the place here so uh well so so alderaan is now just a a a ball of fire at this point and uh boy obi-wan's feeling it on the next page isn't he Yeah, here we get a couple of differences because, again, we have these strange references to what the Force is that becomes a bit more streamlined in the actual movie. When people have to deliver these lines as dialogue, it's clear that some of the rough edges that Lucas wrote were sanded off by actors who were being paid to say things out loud. And I'd say my favorite thing that really made me laugh last night is when he goes... uh... Uh, he says, I felt a sudden great ebbing in the force, Luke. And then Luke goes, the force? You mean that thing you talked about? Because we are in the era in which Marvel always treats every issue as though it could be somebody's first. So yeah. there are needless recaps even here in an ongoing adaptation of A New Hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love the, 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 I just love how passive, Luke is never this passe about the force. Like, you mean that crazy thing you're talking about there, Ben? Also, it, for a few panels in this issue, Luke says his full name every time he says Ben Kenobi. And that always struck me as weird because that's not one of those like names you say the full name of every time. What are you talking about, Ben Kenobi? <laughs> right. <laughs> ben Kenobi, are you all right? Hey, we well, just say Ben. 
Also, the, everyone calls Han Solo Solo throughout this, which they definitely call him Han in the movies. Like, Luke is always going, what do you mean, Solo? And then at one point, Obi-Wan calls him Mr. Solo, and that really <laughs> threw me. I think the, the, the prefix of Mr. used in Star Wars, now that I think about it, I cannot recall an instance. I, oh, I don't think... I think Obi-Wan might call him Captain Solo at some point. You yeah. Yeah. If that or something like that, but no, I've never heard. It. <laughs> Excuse me, Mister Skywalker. That never happens. <laughs> uh, pardon me, Mister Vader. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Vader. Here's your coffee. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Vader gets his own coffee. We saw that last issue. <laughs> One of the that had to be a taken edition. I don't think that was in any script or anything there. Um, and then we get consistently just this page is just full of. This weird 3PO rendering and... Oh, yeah. Just, Again, th- just assume 3PO's face changes every single panel he's in. I mean, and it's the same with most of the characters, right? Like, sometimes it's a pretty good Alec Guinness representation. Sometimes it's just generic old man. Um, I actually think Luke's face is a bit more consistent in this issue than it's been in the previous two. It's better. It's a little bit less Prince Valiant, but Han is all over the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and we still have Chewbacca really weirds me out it's the inking and the color everything about Chewbacca is weird it's it's that thing where it's like uh, it's like 85% correct there's a strange uncanny valley for a character that we're so used to seeing that right. to see an artistic representation of it like seeing in this bottom left panel here where we get the beginning of the scene where Chewbacca and R2 are playing space chess i know the game has a name i don't remember it off the top of my head it's mostly been called space chess i that's all i that's all i ever knew it is <laughs> sure but to see Chewbacca kind of like bundled in on himself and kind of crouching in with his elbows tucked in and his knees up is such an awkward pose to see Chewbacca in that it is yeah. uncanny. I mean, and the the way he's drawn his face and the coloring of it, he really does feel like they pulled him from the Planet of the Apes comic more than he mm, looks like mm-hmm. Chewbacca. Uh, and then, of course, he's hitting us with another of his famous catchphrases: "Garunk, garunk." Oh, you know, a classic: "Garunk, garunk." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love those two distinct thoughts. First, it's a garunk, then it's a garunk. Oh, it's true. Well, mm-hmm. you can, not to be confused with Garunk Garunk, Garunk Garunk is actually an expression of frustration when playing space chess. It certainly is. So if we go to the next page here, Chewie is furious on this next page. Which, you talked about this comic maybe like taking too much time to adapt everything. The fact that this comic actually gives time to the whole maybe let the Wookiee win scene mm-hmm. is... Maybe something you might lose in a comic book adaptation. That's the interesting thing, right? Because we're talking about that this is in here, but the Death Star firing, we can just skip over that and some, you know, words and such. But, but that here, being said, this scene is replicated in other adaptations because it has also become iconic. The let the Wookiee like, win scene. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean the whole classic. Uh, uh, droids don't rip people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. And then, you know, the, it, it took till Solo, but a few things have tried to get Chewie tearing people's arms out uh, <laughs> in there because of this line. My favorite 
thing is when you're playing as Chewbacca in most of the Lego Star Wars games, his like heavy attack button is just rip people's arms off. <laughs> oh, that makes complete sense, especially in a Lego setting. That's perfect. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a very satisfying popping sound when it happens. <laughs> I mean, I will say, though, when you go down to the third panel in the middle here, Chewie does look like he's ready to tear R2 apart. <laughs> yeah, he, as opposed to in the movie when he leans back with that self-satisfied Wookiee smirk and puts his arms up over his head. Now and, he's looming over the space chess board and looking down at R2 like, I'm going to tear this little trash can apart. Which just makes, I mean, this is the thing. Chewie is so much more upset in this comic than he is in the movie about losing the, he's very frustrated in the movie, but here he's in a murderous rage. And that self-satisfied hands behind the head, and look, we don't know what they have, obviously, but that is so key to defining Chewie's personality. Mm-hmm. Well, because uh, it always struck me at in the years watching that scene that that is just something Han says to kind of like fuck with the droids and yeah. to make sure Chew- like he's doing good by his buddy Chewie. Well, because Chewie is, and one of the reasons he is such a fan favorite, he is a gentle giant. Certainly he is capable of being vicious in battle, but he is our friend and pal Chewbacca, right? And he mm-hmm. does have a sense of humor. Right. Uh, but imagine if we didn't have the characterization brought to right. Chewbacca by Peter Mayhew and all of the like physical uh, right. ways in which he is portrayed. Instead, you just have words on a page saying, oh, no, he'll rip your arms out if he loses. Yeah, then he's this violent animal that Han keeps <laughs> locked up downstairs, Han? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> now, here's a scene that I just think is very poorly rendered, once again, from the movie, and always with the... I, I don't know what they had, but this training sequence is just... It's so weird. You talk about... Uh, boy, even the dialogue where he talks about ready lightsaber, lightsaber ready. And again, we have that weird spelling of Sabra, uh, S A B R E. You say it's Sabre, but it's just weird to see it written like that. What's it's like a British uh, spelling of it, and and you do see it, but this is the only time I can think of that I've seen it used in conjunction with lightsaber. Well, Uh, I believe in some of the original scripts, it was absolutely written as that. Well, it had to be, because I'm sure they're just taking from what Lucas gave them. But Uh, again, we have a a, a bit of dialogue down here with Obi-Wan saying, you'd best continue your exercises, lad. And Luke responding with, yes, Ben Kenobi. (laughs) Does Ben call him lad in the movies even? Maybe once. I don't remember. Really, I mean, I'm starting to go, you best your exercises, lad. This is more Highlander. It's the quickening, you know? Um, Can you imagine if Connery had played Obi-Wan Kenobi? Like, he would have been a much different Obi-Wan. Because, let's see, 77, Connery... We're in Zardog, man. We're in yeah, Zardog. Yeah, yeah. I think he's almost too young at that point. I think he is. He had Because uh, we're, we're in that weird era of Connery where he's too old to be Bond, but he hasn't aged into the mentor roles yet, and Hollywood doesn't know what to do with him. So this mm-hmm. is where you have him in stuff like Zardoz or The Great Train Robbery, and you're just going like, I don't, this guy doesn't know what to do with his career. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I, I, uh, yeah, Zardoz was 74, so, um, yeah, it's, he, I, I don't even think, I think, I don't even think he would have been a big enough star, honestly, at this point. Mm. He would have been they probably could have gotten it, but the studio would have been like, yeah, we need somebody a little bit more 
regal in Sir Alec Guinness. Maybe. Uh, but again, you got to remember that Star Wars was such a studio-considered boondoggle as just like, who's making a sci-fi film in 1977? It's interesting that it was like Guinness and Cushing were like, whoa, th- that we're going to lend it some legitimacy by putting these names in it. Mm-hmm. They were they were the names, yeah. which is weird to think about now. But yeah, uh, but when when he ignites this lightsaber, this weird, almost liquid kind of drawing on the blade, it's got some Kirby book. crackle to it. It does, it does, and yet, it, oh, man, I, I, I'm I don't want to drag this into immaturity, but that's a pretty phallic looking hilt on it. Oh yeah, it looks like a penis, and <laughs> the liquidy blade shooting out of it isn't helping. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and again, this is another instance where the the hilt changes uh, shape oh, yeah. depending on which panel we're talking about. My guess is they only have photos of it or something, and they cannot. And some of this is, you know, there's there's a thing where we we can kind of go, well, they didn't know, but also some of it is just like you guys need to land on a design for the comic and just stick with it. Mm-hmm. There's, so, I I don't know that I've read a more inconsistent comic in design. Oh, this. I would I say mean, I definitely have, but not from it, Marvel. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. So the the but the way this this uh this droid this little droid ball functions, it the training seems, remote, yeah. They're playing baseball. It kind of looks like here, or it, it's doing things where he's taking a swing at it and just dip into the ground, and it, it it's a it's got more personality than it does in the movie, actually. Yeah, going to the next page here, the. What exactly is happening in this scene is wild because, yeah, the training remote is bouncing off the the walls and the floor and shooting yep. at Luke and he's swinging wildly at it. And then we have this oh actually, God. honestly, pretty cool helmet that's shoved over Luke's head. It's a little Dr. Fady, honestly. It's, it's a little Dr. Fady is right, but shoved is also right because... Obi-Wan just jamming this thing on his head here with his gigantic hands. Look at Obi-Wan's hands in that second panel. The perspective on that panel is wild. His hands are as big as Luke's head. (laughs) (laughs) And just like, do yourself a favor while you're listening to this podcast or or, or watching it. Lift your hand up to your head and just hold it on the side of your head and just like feel the extent to which your hand... Imagine now that the bottom of your palm was at your nose and your fingers yeah. could scratch the back of your head. <laughs> that's how big Obi-Wan's uh that's how big Obi-Wan's hands are here. No, it's it's abs it's absolutely wild. Uh so uh yeah and and once again you would talk about this thing uh floating around and uh uh Obi-Wan's like hurling it in the air here. Yeah, again, we don't exactly have what they were basing this on, but there was clearly some like stage direction that they had that they're basing the motions of this comic on, and they don't know exactly how this thing is going to look on screen, so they're just kind of guessing. And we get the scene where Luke reaches out with his feelings and feels that connection and manages to forp the... <laughs> training remote off of his lightsaber. I love that sound effect so much. <laughs> we also get a swish. When swish is good, like through the blade arc as it's moving through the panel. That's pretty good sound effect work. Yeah, forp. 
with uh, the Forp as the training remote. Again, it doesn't even shoot him. It just bounces off of his lightsaber. It's, it's weird because it shoots him in the first panel on this page. And then here it's just kind of bouncing around like a ball. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know, once again, they haven't seen the movie. But in the movie, it's so subtle. The way it just kind of goes. You know, like yeah. it's a. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's like a little training remote. It's meant to like float yeah. around a little bit and shoot at you randomly so that you can yeah. try to block it with a lightsaber. And the fact that here it really is like a character on this page. Yeah. And also we lose complete track of just how big this space is in all of these panels because most of the backgrounds are just solid blocks of color. Go to the next page and I, the, okay. It seems like the cockpit is just on the other side of this room here. Oh, there's no spatial awareness of how the Millennium Falcon works in this comic. Not at all. No, no, it's 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 super bizarre in their bright green chairs. I mean, it clearly is. We talked about they probably had black and white production photos, but clearly the mandate here was just fill as much color as you can in this thing. Because good Lord, it, 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 it's almost assaultive to the eyes how much color is in this. Yeah, and that really comes down to the colorist of just, like, he was probably, considering that he is both the colorist and the uh, the, the inker here, we probably have a situation where he is just handed some rough sketches really quickly, and he has to, like, come up with ways of filling all of this stuff in as quickly as possible. Totally, and it... it, it... But it's just like at every move, it's just like more color, more color, bright greens, the brightest of greens. Um, I, I have a feeling that Steve Lealoa is probably the most overworked person on this book. <laughs> 100%. I mean, you don't see a lot of pencilers who also color. No. Pencil and ink, that's pretty common. Pencil, ink, and color. I mean, you are basically, yeah, yeah at this point, you're just the almost the whole artist. Although he's, I guess, right, Chaikin's doing the pencils. Mm -hmm. But still... And colors is a big thing uh, yeah. to do both of those is a lot. Uh, so they come out uh, of hyperspace into the, the destroyed remnants of Alderaan here. Yeah, they come out into that meteor storm and they're like, what? The planet should be here. Oh, wait, there's a TIE fighter. Let's go after it. Uh, the I do want to highlight the bottom panel here because the arrangement of the dialogue bubbles makes no sense. I will say this happens a few times in this book. I was reading it yeah. last night, unsure who was talking at times or who to go to next. Right. Usually it's a left to right, top to bottom kind of situation, but it it really I mean, doesn't track in this it's, particular. I panel. will say, I mean, I've been reading comics basically as long as I could read. I rarely have trouble following word bubbles like this. Yeah. This is this is the kind of thing where people who are new to comics go, I don't know what to read. And on this one I'd be like yeah, you're right on this one. Even I don't know what going. Also, not only do we understand how word bubbles work, we know the movie and we're still having trouble following this. Yeah. And again, now we have Han's face changing every single panel to the point where that uh, bottom left panel, that like second to last one, where he is this like in very intense, sharp nosed, like angry eyebrows and the panel directly they above it is a completely different face. They have no idea how to draw Han Solo. <laughs> it's very clear that they have no character design for Han Solo, any kind of consistency. So let's go to the next page. Uh, boy, though, once again, we talk, but we don't get the Death Star firing, but we get a lot of the Millennium Falcon being pulled into the Death Star via tractor beam. Um, what's odd to me here is the scale. 
I yeah. don't think they really had a good idea of just how big the Death Star is I'm, or how to they... convey scale on the page when it's not involving humanoid characters. It's interesting. I don't know that they know much about what the Death Star looks like at all because look at how there's a total lack of detail on it. It's bright white. Yeah. It's got, it just, I mean, I think they took that line where they called it a moon mm -hmm. quite literally and said, well, just draw it where it looks like a moon. Yeah. And we do get that classic line on the page before. That's no moon. That's a space station. It's too big to be a space station. That's where um, it is, though. It's no moon, Mr. Solo. It's a space station. Yeah, that's... What? Calling him Mr. feels so weird. Yeah. Excuse me, Mr. Solo! And we've got the... What would eventually become a, an iconic line of, I've got a bad feeling about this, on mm -hmm. this, as they're getting pulled into the Death Star. Uh, if we go down to the bottom panel here, we get weird designs on both Han and Luke in this close-up. Again, I think Luke is pretty consistent. His angry eyebrows in this panel in particular are pretty intense. Uh, and the shadowing and inking here is definitely, like, romance comic adjacent. We've talked about how pissed off Luke is in this comic. Uh, he's been, and here, I just, the gritted teeth and the, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, in the movie, it definitely comes off as more whiny and more just like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to voice my opinion anyway. And this is I, just like, I am impotently angry about what's going on and I will express it for your rage. I think them not having seen the movie, they don't realize just quite how innocent Mark Hamill's performance is, mm -hmm. that he really is playing very sincere, naive farm boy. Yeah. Here here he's just like, the fucking Empire, man! I tell you what, if I got a chance. Well, yeah. I mean, you think about the old, like, space serials that Star Wars was definitely, like, pitched as like referencing. Yeah. yeah, Flash Gordon and stuff. And, like, that's where the emotional levels are at the uh, in those, like, old serials. Is this, like, oh, my God, Ming the Merciless, you'll pay for this! That is true. That is true. Yeah, those guys. Uh, and, of course, later we'll have death to Ming! Uh, <laughs> oh, Flash Gordon. Uh, yeah, would you look at the size of that thing is on the next page. But mm -hmm. then, as we're saying, it's kind of small, actually, for our understanding. Because the, the Millennium is certainly a lot bigger than the Millennium Falcon. But the Millennium Falcon is so tiny in the movie compared to it. Right, and that's... Something the first movie is so good at doing is producing scope. Right from I the first shot of that film when you have the blockade runner being chased by the Star Destroyer. That's that moment when you go, holy shit, space is big. I was going to say, that's really the thing that amazed people about that. People talk about seeing that in 77. Uh, uh, that kind of scope had never been conveyed in a space movie really before. Mm -hmm. uh, and you see it, uh, it, I just did a rewatch uh, uh, of uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture because they did the the 4K release of it and mm -hmm. just how much of that movie is them conveying the scale of the Enterprise because they're trying to go, see, we have big ships too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the first half of that movie is, look how big the Enterprise is. <laughs> the amount of time, and I just love, it's just like, should we, uh, Captain, should we, no, 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 Scotty, we just drink her in. We just drink <laughs> her in, man. We don't talk when we're looking at the Enterprise. We just admire. <laughs> well, there was a recent episode of Lower Decks where they visited Deep Space Nine. It's just like, oh, uh, we can't quite land yet, Captain. What should you do? I don't know. Uh, circle the pylons and act like we're absorbing the majesty. <laughs> Because <laughs> mm. then I watched Wrath of Khan right after, and that's like a 30 second scene of bum, 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 
bomb. Okay, now let's go. Uh yeah. Whereas in this particular panel, when we're trying to convey the scope of the Death Star, we see... Okay, we see the shadow of the Millennium Falcon cast over the Death Star. Where would that shadow be being cast I, from? I have <laughs> no idea. Where is the light source for any of this <laughs> utter nonsense? Yeah, but again, it, it, it doesn't... They're actually, looking at the shadows, they're under a sun. I guess. They would but... have to be, right? <laughs> Again, it, it just it this is not the Death Star we know. It really isn't. Also, I love that the little opening like slots where the ships would come in are just perfectly Millennium Falcon size. Yeah, like a toaster. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just constantly pulling in Corellian ships like this. <laughs> like how, how does a TIE fighter land in that? They can't. <laughs> <laughs> They have to go in the top where it it it, it top loads the Tie Fighter. Shink. Yeah, we get this exchange between Han Solo and Obi Wan down here. Obi Wan's face just becoming generic old man here for a second, and also Han's face looking radically different between these two panels. <laughs> but saying that like there are other ways we don't necessarily need to fight, and this is where we get the cut to uh, again the strangely garbed Tarkin, and I will say this. Issue gave us some pretty good looking Vaders. A better looking Vaders than we've had. Vaders look pretty wonky in this book so far. And this is better. I actually do like the color note of the kind of red eyes on him. It's not consistent with the movie, but it is pretty. It is. The red eyes? The the lenses I mean, are a deep, dark red in the movies. They well, always I mean, have been. Let me say, it, it is more evident red. in this Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it is artistic license and highlighting it, it a little bit more. It, it does give him a more kind of demonic, you know, monster look, which I like. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, yeah, the, but I, this is the kind of thing where I turn to this page and I go, oh, so many word bubbles, so much, so much writing. And remember all of that dialogue between Vader and Tarkin about how the base isn't on T Dantooine and she betrayed us. We need to destroy her. And mm -hmm. Vader going like, no, no, she could be useful later. But we've also captured this Corellian freighter. It's the same one that left Mos Eisley. Blah, da, yada, 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 yada. That is all here in four panels. It really is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, also just... Okay, I the Vader design, but some of these poses. I also love on the third panel here at the top, the way his finger is coming out of the panel into the gutter. Yeah, and the framing of some of these panels is just odd, right? Yeah, very like the, weird. The weird Dutch angle in that third panel that's like a, a low shot of Vader with Tarkin over his shoulder, and then the yeah. next panel down is just a hard close-up on Vader's mask with just dialogue bubbles kind of eking out some of the details of the mask. I, well, it does just feel like, can we get some more dialogue bubbles in there? Vader's got a lot to say. And you kind of <laughs> go like, does he, though? He's just telling us more information we already know. They must have been trying to return the stolen data tapes to the princess, see, last issue. We might be, uh, we might be of some help there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, soon in a sprawling hangbay of the great Death Star. And again, the scale is completely altered yet again as the Millennium Falcon yeah. now does look kind of to scale with the, the Death Star once it's inside the hangar bay. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to inside the ship where I, I I will say, if you don't know, if you weren't, if you read this without knowing the movie, 
would this cut from the outside to Han in the 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 hidden compartment make any sense? Also, hidden <laughs> compartment. It's clearly a hatch in the floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. In the movie, it really is like the floor panel that lifts up. Here it is just like, well, they'll never find us in here. And then <laughs> I will say the last panel on the page, very interesting. I did not know Dennis Leary played Han Solo. <laughs> Oh, wow. There's some alt casting out of love to have seen. I love to smoke, Luke. I love it. <laughs> also, uh, going back a little bit, we do get the line, I send something, a presence I haven't felt since, and then Vader trailing off. But that line happening directly outside of the Millennium yep. Falcon, as opposed to in a hallway somewhere. Yep. Also, the way it trails off here makes it seem like a Stormtrooper should be like, since when, Lord Vader? <laughs> I haven't felt since. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and we also get the, the classic Obi-Wan line here of who's more foolish, the fool or, and it changes a little bit, or the man that follows him. In the movie, it's who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him. That's a better line in the movie. It, it is a better line in the movie. And it turns out that some dialogue said by humans. Yeah. Um, anyway. And everything is just so green. Oh, yeah. So much green. Green all over the place. Unless it's pink. Then it's all pink uh, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of green and pink ink lying around. Can we use this? But I, I want to get to the next page because we get bodybuilder Chewbacca on the next page. <laughs> oh, do we ever get bodybuilder? Yeah, oh, boy, you talk about inconsistency. I also want to get to uh, this big box these guys are carrying and the description of it. Mm-hmm. Because this is kind of in the movie but not like this right Am no I right? it's pretty much like this in the movie they carry a big box on board they're carrying scanning equipment used to like basically check right. out the whole ship and then they get they're jumped by Han Luke. uh they have an unexpected welcome party and han saying Shh, here they come remember that <laughs> and the nope. stormtroopers immediately going hey what was that yeah uh <laughs> This happens, once again, this happens so quickly. They come on board, and then they do the thing where they indicate, like, the, the comm isn't working. Mm -hmm. uh, I do love the idea of the meaning of his hand signal is clear. It's interesting that in the book we have here, in the movie, the uh, call sign is TK421. In this, it's TX421, which I think is still a reference to THX 1148, but... I think, yeah, I think it is, but, uh, but yeah... And I will say, yeah, here's bodybuild Chewbacca, and he is bitch slapping a guy because that is bitch, the word. Bitch slapping this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's slapping him. T h l a p. Yeah, and and he's saying nurk. <laughs> the classic Chew classic Chewbacca line of nurk. Yeah, but boy, they yeah, how big Chewbacca is, how beefy he is, really changes because here he is massive. And this, in fact, this is Sasquatch, right? Oh, this is like <laughs> Sasquatch who lifts other Sasquatches for fun. <laughs> to the point where the his classic bandolier actually doesn't change size. It is now tighter on his body. <laughs> I got to get this thing off. I've been doing too many presses here. This like, chest is getting too big. He looks like the Marvel character Sasquatch, honestly. He does. Yeah. Oh, my God. And this guy. Oh, yeah. He's getting bitch slapped by a Wookiee. He ain't walking away from that. What the? Yay! 
Because, <laughs> yeah, we get uh, Chewbacca, and on the next page, we get uh, disguised Han and Luke storming this little room, which, again, we don't even really see the room. The backgrounds are so washed out as no, just color. No, the, all the locations. And with a hearty Garu! I love a good Wookiee Garu. <laughs> He's whooping everybody in that room. That's a good oh, action Chewbacca pose of just like the fist streaking across the panel. That's pretty good, actually. It, the action pose is good. The character design is crazy wrong. But uh, <laughs> and also this stormtrooper just getting shot right in the face. Yeah. With a zick. Yeah. What I want to talk about is how R2 plugs into the computer here in the bottom yep. left panel, yep. because it is radically different than what we see in the movie. Also, apparently, 3PO has to do it for him. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that. But we see, so the blue stripe that is on R2's leg kind of yeah. lifts out like an arm and then plugs yeah. down into a computer as opposed to the little, and I know the name of this thing, scomp unit that comes out of R2. You know, doing this show, I go like, I'm not that much of a nerd. Uh <laughs> But the little plug uh, that most droids have to plug into, like, the standard Imperial uh, sockets that we see throughout Star Wars. They roll it up there. But, yeah, like I said, I was more just thrown by uh, Obi-Wan going, 3PO, plug in that R2 unit. <laughs> well, I expected, I expected this to go to, like, an extension cord coming out. <laughs> yeah, at least he doesn't have a, uh, a scene where it's like, well, this one's micro USB. What we need is USB-C or oh. a, a fire cord. That might work, too. Obi-Wan going through drawers going, they have to have it adapted in here somewhere. <laughs> They're a dongle. Does anyone see a dongle around? Damn uh, Empire and their dongles. <laughs> this this last panel, which is a close-up, very detailed Obi-Wan, but it's not Alec Guinness. I don't... It's the old man from Home Alone, apparently. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah, and he <laughs> must go alone. He's going to go shut down the tractor beam. Yeah, I must go Home alone. Um, and again, we have a very angry Luke in that bottom middle God, panel. He's just so pissed. All the time. So angry. But he's also going, we're with you, Ben. <laughs> Grr. I'm a scary farm boy. So uh, we have Obi-Wan leaving, and then we have the whole bit where R2 finds the princess. She's here. Poet, poet, poet. That that is consistently becoming how R two makes noise in this, but uh, I want to get to in the middle here. There's these four panels. This Han pose on that last panel. Oh, with the leg up over his leg and kind of leaning back like he's a model lounging. Yeah, because in the movie he does do a like feet up on a table kind of lean back. Here though, he's doing a like check out this thigh mm -hmm. in this stormtrooper yeah. armor. <laughs> Mm, I really love this the way this hugs my curves. <laughs> the creamy ceramic of the stormtrooper armor impressed across his body. Even the hand seems like he's smoothing it, like mm, <laughs> mm, up, my friend. Uh, and this is the scene, of course, from the movie where he's going, "You have to help us save the princess. She might be really rich and give you money." But uh, not before we get Luke saying, "I've seen her solo. She's beautiful." Yeah. And then Han's response of so's life. I actually like that response. So's life, kid. Eh. She's rich, so's uh rich. 
I think that dialogue is definitely smoothed out in the movie. It feels a little clunky well, here. Well, I think what we what we have here is the script, and what we have in the movie is Harrison Ford making it sound better because <laughs> uh, from all from everything I've heard, Harrison Ford did a lot of tweaking of his dialogue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mark Hamill uh, did less, and I think that speaks to why those characters sound the way they do in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so we get them resolving to go break her out of the detention level. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke coming up with the plan to hook up uh, Chewie in some c- electron or what does it say? Uh, electric handcuffs. I love electric handcuffs. Yeah. What about them is electric exactly? They're And in the movie, I think they call them binder clips or something. Yeah, but. they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Chewie's not so happy about that, so he's saying harangan, harangan, He's starting up like a lawnmower. <laughs> Hold on, here's your problem, Luke. You didn't prime him first. Um, <laughs> well, we need actually uh, an oil gas mix in a Wookie. That's how they run properly. <laughs> uh, there we go. It's it's, it's, a, it's a three push. One, two. Th- okay, now pull it. Uh, no, don't stop, stop, stop. You're flooding him. You're yeah. flooding him. <laughs> Uh, and now Han's gonna put the cuffs on. Chewie's still not happy, so but but just a girk this time. Uh, yeah. So we get the scene of them walking through the Death Star, and actually the render of the hallway and the turbo lifts here is pretty spot on from the movie. It is. Once again, they must have had it. Aside from the colors, it is, and also the inconsistent colors. Why is the floor pink and then orange? Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's like, all right, these designs are crazy, but why can't you stick to the designs? <laughs> it's because uh, they're they're moving through the floors, and each floor is different color coded for your convenience, John. We're on the orange level now. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, it's all about navigation and being able to find your way through this massive space station. It's useful, actually. I do love the guy going. Where are you going with this thing? Uh, transfer from the other cell block and this is when we have all hell breaking loose as Chewie in just like savage Chewie fashion just manhandles all these stormtroopers oh he sure does and we're told Han and Luke shoot them but we we can kind of see that although I will say uh, with whoever it is that's frapping this guy here on the last panel Oh, yeah, um, there's a blast going through a dude's chest on that panel. I was going to say, I don't remember a lot of blaster shots ripping through people like this. Good Lord, that guy is all kinds of dead. At worst, we see people like flung backwards when Chewie's using his bowcaster or something. Uh, they, we do. It seems that they take more. It's kind of like phasers in Star Trek, too. It seems like it's more impact that uh, that messes their internal organs up than it is ripping through somebody. Well, and a lot of the weapons in Star Wars cauterize instantly, so it's just like blackened holes and yeah. stuff. This guy has a gigantic gaping hole where his chest was. Oh, they, they <laughs> punched out his stomach plug. Yeah. <laughs> a la Kung Pao. <laughs> uh, I will also say, then if you go to the next page, these blasters are just straight up shooting fire. For half a second, when I just flipped to this page, I thought, I'm sorry, have we brought in a flame trooper now to the, the second <laughs> panel? Which Look is, at the fire coming out of that thing. Yeah, and so we flip back and forth between this page and the page before. The amount of fire coloration they're using for the blaster bolts will change so radically between the two pages. And the page before, it's like yellow and oranges, and now it's bright yellows and reds and oranges, and it does look a lot more like fire. 
and and on that uh, on that page there the uh when when they're shooting this guy in the back the blaster is bouncing like it's a flame it's like hitting him and then turning and that panel just before when the huge fuzz is coming out you don't even see yeah. the gun you just see this like explosion of plasma coming out of han or luke's hands they're dressed as stormtroopers so it's tough to tell who's who yeah i don't know who's doing the the all the killing here but i will say uh it's this last panelist page that gets me with this impossible turn oh yeah his his spine is just completely snapped in half if he's turning like that han solo doing a a full almost 180 turn with his hips here yeah good god so and i even found the Luke pose is weird too I found this scene a little interesting because we have this Imperial officer moving to set the alarm off and Solo saying, you got to stop him, kid. And so on this next page, we have this incredibly brutal uh, frame of Luke shooting this Imperial officer in the back. I, I know the death in this in this comic is so much more brutal than it is on the movies, which you think about, they took three pages to do a pretty quick scene in the movie that's like, look out, he's loose! Do, 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 and everybody's dead. But in this, it, it, they, they cool really comic. highlight Luke killing this guy mm-hmm. to the point where it made me stop and go, wait, is this Luke's first kill? I think we saw both stormtroopers shooting people earlier. But the captioning... Before is specifically saying they're shooting like uh, alarm systems and cameras and stuff. And really only Han is gunning people down until this scene where Han says, we'll make a space pirate of you yet when yes, when he guns this guy down. Everybody remembers that famous line. Um, (laughs) Well, he's a rap. This guy, something fierce. Um, but I will say, I mean, this is to invoke our pal Dan Scotty. He murders the bejesus out of this guy. Oh, yeah. To the point where he turns yellow when he gets shot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is so bad, it somehow gave him liver damage. <laughs> He's jaundiced now as a result. Of oh, one of them jaundice lasers. Got it. <laughs> uh, uh, then we have them charging down the hall. We do get this that interaction that's so famous in the the movie of Han going back and forth with the other security yeah. officer on the terminal going I'm fine how are you how are you <laughs> it doesn't you know it doesn't quite capture the brilliant uh, that beat and the how are you the change in mm-hmm. tone but yeah it's there, and it is one of my favorites and the shooting of the com going boing conversation anyway yeah, and then we have him saying, we're going to have company. Then we have Luke going down the hallway and him finding the, oh boy, uh, his opening dialogue here of, you're even more beautiful than I, as he opens the door yeah. and sees Leia. I mean, we, people always talk about how weird it is that he's obviously attracted to her in the movie, but it's so much worse in the comic. It's so much worse. And you've got to imagine old. all that dialogue was originally in the script. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Also, her pose here, of course, in the movie, it's that famous kind of almost seductive pose where she's laying on the bed. And here she's like against a wall going like, ah. Well, I have no real bearing on what this cell looks like in this comic because it's just pink lines in the background. Nope. Nope. And it's interesting. It's the reverse of what it is. He says, I've come to rescue. I'm Luke Skywalker. Of course, in the movie, he says, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Mm -hmm. Which feels a little bit more natural. It and does. Her response of "You're who?" Yeah, she. We do. The, in here is, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Which is nice. I, mm-hmm. I was 
you know. But the it is things like I've come to rescue. I'm Luke Skywalker. Is classic like Lucas not yeah. knowing how to write naturalistic dialogue. The man is so good at so many things, but like naturalistic human speech is not his thing. And even That's this a- next line where Luke says, I've come to rescue you again. And he says, Ben Kenobi is with me and we've got your droids. And Leia I mean, responding with Ben Kenobi. Where is he? Obi-Wan? It's not even Obi-Wan. It's Obi-Wan. Yeah. I thought that was complete nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Though I will say it's a decent likeness of Carrie Fisher there in that last panel. The first one that's actually really looked like her, I think. Yeah. Uh, before we're back to more shooting. Uh, oh, we're on the last page of this comic. The, this comic ends so abruptly. because that, that, was, that was exactly what I was thinking about, where they're really treading water to get to six issues. <laughs> because, yeah, we have Han shouting back, we've got Chewie back up, we've got a retreat. Uh Leia giving Han a hard time about the fact that they've cut off their only escape route, which I like that we're getting Leia sass here uh, right off the bat because I was afraid the comic was going to lose that a little bit because so much of that is Carrie Fisher's performance. I I mean, it's interesting how much of Han and Leia, because I think both of those characters were probably more than anything defined by their actors and their dynamics specifically, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of it is captured here, yeah. And I do like the expression she has on this third panel here in the middle like look at this dummy um and all but also the just radically inconsistent han solo across all these panels my god this is look who is this guy in that third panel who even is that oh i yeah i don't know man from atlantis himself patrick duffy uh (laughs) (laughs) before he turns into another guy and then a, a weird Han Solo that, that I, where he just goes, if we're going to die here, let's take a bunch of them with us. Yeah! <laughs> that doesn't sound like Han Solo to me at all. Yeah, look, Han's got a death wish and he wants to bring a lot of people with him. That's all we know. And those guns firing zick, tick. Why, why, why the need for a different sound every time the gun fires, too? I'm also, I mean, this is of the era, so I'm because not... Tom Orzakowski needs to justify his job. <laughs> this, just, every time these guns fire, they make a different noise. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it is interesting, because like I get, this is sort of a, a cliffhanger created only for this comic. Yeah, and we pr- get a an early drop of a line that we wouldn't see in the movies until they're in the trash compactor and that's 3PO are you there 3PO actually thought the trash compactor was where they were going to leave us on the cliffhanger which actually would have been better if we'd been like oh no the walls are closing you know then will they get out right but no that implies that next issue is going to be the first few pages are just going to be the trash compactor which is kind of a waste because there's your if you're actually doing it based on the old serials that Lucas is that would have been your cliffhanger and will our heroes escape the thing you know Mm-hmm. Uh, or even uh, them diving down the chute would have been like, where will this perilous path lead our heroes? That would have been simple, and that would have taken like another panel, maybe. Um, yeah. But, but instead we get, but Luke Skywalker's only answer is the blast of the trooper's lasers. By the way, lots of use of lasers. Coming mm-hmm. closer. Closer! Yeah, and a, a weird Luke in this last panel that looks a little bit like Sonny Bono, if I'm Sonny Bono, a if I'm blonde, being honest. Yeah, a little blonde Sonny Bono, yeah, going, <laughs> I got you, babe. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then the next issue promise us Ben Kenobi versus Darth Vader, dash, dash, to the death! I am so 
curious. By curious, I mean I've read ahead. But uh, I I read one a week, man. You, I mean, you, you know, I, I, you're due diligence. You really research these. But the fight between Obi Wan and Vader in that scene on the Death Star has long been pointed at as like, okay, they just didn't have what we would know as a lightsaber duel yet. That wasn't right. really a thing in established in the franchise. And whether or not the comic will beef that up to be a little bit more thrilling, I guess we will see next episode. I'm guessing no, just based on what I've been reading so far. <laughs> but yeah, that does it for uh, th- this issue. That's where it ends. That, well, I, what's going to happen, man? I've been promised to duel to the death next issue. Yeah, and look, uh, someone's going to die. I'll say that much. Obi-Wan does just disappear in this issue. He's like, I'll go shut down the the tractor beam. And well, he's just, he doesn't come back. He pulls we a Gandalf in the Hobbit. That's exactly what he's doing. I'll uh, I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> but uh, yeah. By the way, it's bye, everybody. Uh, <laughs> see you, dwarves. Adios. <laughs> Gandalf out. Um... <laughs> Yep, Gandalf out, his famous catchphrase. <laughs> Seacrest stole that from him. Uh, mm, it's true, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, but more, yeah. more Marvel shenanigans. For Can't wait for next issue. We've got three issues left in this uh, adaptation of A New Hope. Um, how do you think it'll I'm... end, John? <laughs> I don't know, man. I really hope they blow up this Death Star, though. Fingers crossed. I was going to say, crossed. though, as much as I'm enjoying this, I, I am. I can't wait until we're just making shit up, right? <laughs> oh, look. I would the sooner we get to Jackson, the happier yeah, I'll be. Yes. I think I think everybody, both of us, anyone watching or listening to this, we're all waiting to get to the the show minus will be called May the Panel Be With You, Colin waiting for Jackson. Uh, <laughs> we are in countdown to Jackson mode. Jackson is such a bizarre thing in the comics. And the fact that he's survived in some capacity throughout the years of this franchise is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, can't wait to get there. But first, we need to get through A New Hope and what we know. Tread those familiar paths so that we can branch out into that wild blue yonder. We'll get there eventually. Uh, but for now, thank you for listening. As always, you can find uh, us online at a Twitter account I haven't created yet. And you can find all of Punch Up Entertainment's. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, you can see it somewhere on the screen, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> And you can find all of Punch-Up Entertainment also on this channel that you're presumably already watching this on, but you can hear all the podcasts we produce there, including Material Uh, Components, which I host, Panel Up, which John and I both co-host. We have Action Shelf, which I believe is probably messing up the video quality of this episode as you watch as somebody is waiting in the wings to record that show. So, Uh (laughs) until then, Uh, I've been Mike Gargoni. uh, And I am John Campbell. And remember, may the panels be with you.